We're breaking down what the New York Giants have done so far in their offseason, their first offseason under new general manager Joe Shane. Bobby Skinner of Talking Giants Podcast joins me to go over everything that's been done and to give me his thoughts on the moves made and how that sets the Giants up for the draft and beyond. That's coming up next on the Locked on Giants Podcast. You are Locked on Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Giants podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast family, your team. Every day, Patricia Trainer here with you, and thank you so much for making us your first listen of the day, or if you're watching on YouTube, your first watch of the day, and I am excited today to be joined by Bobby Skinner. He is part of Talking Giants, one half of Talking Giants, um, with Justin Pennick, who has been on the show before with me as well, and Bobby is here to talk with me about the moves the Giants have made in free agency, as well as how this is going to potentially set up the Giants draft next month. So first off, Bobby, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to come on with me. Always appreciate it and always good to see you. No doubt. Always good to jump on the Locked on Giants podcast. Um, I know the show's doing well. I was actually looking, I was talking to somebody else about YouTube and I was looking at your YouTube. I was like, oh, wow, the YouTube's up and rolling since the last time uh, we were on. So that's, uh, and I, I remember at one point this season, like there was like five or six Giants podcasts in the top 100 and, and we were both on there. So it's, it's yeah. always it's always good to jump on the Locked On. All right. So, Bobby, thank you again for coming on with us. Looking forward to talking with you about the Giants and free agency. And let's start off, if we could, with your overall impressions of what Joe Shane has been able to do thus far. He addressed offensive line, obviously. He got a backup quarterback, started to replenish the tight end room a little bit. I mean, what are your thoughts overall on what he's done so far? Obviously, he's working with with limited space. I will say I've liked what he's done with current roster guys more so than like the additions right now. Like getting Blake Martinez to take a pay cut was pretty surprising. I know he's coming off of an injury, but I feel like Blake could have gotten some money out on the market. So I thought that was a good move. Shep obviously made sense for both sides. And then with James Bradbury at the moment, it's still on the team. I like that. I like that. It's like, you know what? We're not going to just give this away a guy for nothing. We're going to hold out. And eventually the team's going to need a corner, you know, and you know, maybe I don't know how long this goes, but I like that. But as far as free agency, offensive line absolutely had to be addressed. They don't have a ton of money. Mark Lewinsky is a decent signing um, for the money he's get. John Feliciano on a one-year deal. That's a good signing. He can play center guard. You know, we don't know exactly what's going to happen with Nick Gates. And, you know, worst case scenario, draft some guys and he's depth. So you ha- but you couldn't go into the draft just being like, we need to totally fix the O-line. You know, they weren't they weren't going to get a starting right tackle out of free agency, but they got a swing guy in Matt Gano. Um you know, because I don't think you could really put any eggs in the Matt Parrick basket with his injury. Um, so I've I've liked it. You know, they needed a bargain tight end. They got it with Ricky Seals Jones, who can start in a pinch. And then um, the Taylor signing, which I'm sure we'll talk about, does kind of it's. I think it means more than just they want a good backup. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about Taylor in a second, but I do want to talk about the offensive line because what I really like about this, is, and a lot of people have. have emailed me and and said, hey, does this mean the Giants aren't going to go O-line in round one of the draft? 
I say, look at the contracts. Oh, the contracts always give you a little bit of a hint as to what they're thinking long-term. Feliciano signed for one year to play center. He's already confirmed that he's going to play center. Glowinski's been signed for, two, I think it's a two-year deal, if I, if I remember correctly. That's what was reported. All right. So the Giants, if you look back to last year, they did not have anybody, any, any young guys in the pipeline to develop. So now they have put themselves in a position where they've got stop gaps at center and at one of the guard positions. And Andrew Thomas, of course, is locked in. And then you figure, you know, Shane Lemieux, if he's healthy, he's going to compete. And then maybe if they have a shot at, at one of the, the top tackles in the draft, they'll get one of those guys. But they've, they've made progress with it. And they've set themselves up to where they are. They can take guys in round two and onward for that offensive line, develop them. And now they've got a pipeline reestablished, which basically dried up. Yeah. I mean, I really think for the like right tackle, like again, they weren't going to sign a, a good right tackle in free agency. You know, maybe they could get like the Mike Remmers type if the draft doesn't work out, um, which obviously isn't great, but it's, it's passable. Uh, I think they really got a bank on a tackle being there at five, whether it's a quantum and, you and I think that's likely, you know, the jets, I think the jets are going to go edge. You know, they, we don't know what Mekhi Becton the deal is with him, but event like likely they they'd probably like him to start George Fance's starting level tackle. Um, the Jags tagged uh, what's his name? Not Cam Charles Robinson. Robinson. Cam Robinson. Um, and then the you know Larry Tunsil's thing with the Texans, but yeah, Klinsky, he, he like he's a starting level guard. Um, you know, in the run game, he's pretty good. He's good and athletic. In the pass game, there is issues. Um, you know, he's susceptible to being, you know, bulled back, but he's also not a liability where he's getting beat right off the snap, which the Giants have seen out of their guards the past couple of years, or even going further back than that. So, like, he's a starting-level guard, and if there's a, a rookie right tackle, it's nice to next have Mark Lewinsky next to him. With Feliciano, yeah. um, he is being brought in to be a center. Like, they, I think they've made that loud and clear, like, from from Rip, that he will be a center. Um I don't know what's going to happen with Nick Gates, you know, so Feliciano, you you would think would be in the center, but even if Nick Gates does come back and is able to practice, you know, he's ready for training camp, well, Nick Gates has played guard, and you could put him at guard or let him battle with Shane Lemieux and not have the pressure. And, again, they're they're probably going to add depth on the inside through the draft, but they don't have to throw these guys into starting roles right away, you know. Um you know, just because you have, you know, just because they may have, you know, four out of their starting five going into the draft doesn't mean they don't come away with three guys on the offensive line out of the draft. I mean, they have nine picks, maybe even more when they, you know, trade James Bradbury. Um, so, you know, it's it's not all about winning the most games this year. So, you know, the draft picks in the third round, they're not necessarily one, they're not one year investments, they're long term investments. And uh, having Glowinski and Feliciano make you feel good about getting the best value at each spot and not reaching for need, which if they didn't add these guys, uh, they would absolutely have to be like, you know, draft, it'd be a must to draft a guard in round two or round three. Now it's like, okay, let's, let's see how the board plays out. Yeah. And, you know, I'm glad you mentioned that because, you know, just going back to Feliciano and, and the center issue there, I don't think Gates is going to be ready this year. Um, that's a, you know, think Rich Seibert. I don't know if you remember Rich Seibert's injury. Yeah. It was on that order from what I understand. So, I mean, if we see Gates again, probably not going to be for another year. I would I would be surprised if we see him at all this year. And this is the last year of his contract, by the way. I think, you know, I went back and I looked. They do have to carry Gates because I'm sure his agent filed for injury protection. And it comes at a rate of $2 million, And I think his cap number was something like two point. 
1.05 million or something like that. So I do think they have to carry him, but he's going to be, you know, he's not going to be able to pass the physical, unfortunately, but I wouldn't count the guy out and I wouldn't count them, you know, bringing him back because he, he is a better guard, as you said, than he is, um, you know, center. And plus I think Gates once came on the show with me and he said he actually liked playing guard better, but you know, the thing yeah, with does. Feliciano that's interesting um, that I want to point out you look at the offense that's being put in and, you know, we haven't seen it, obviously. We might start to see little bits and pieces of it once the mini camps start rolling around, but it's probably going to have a heavy Buffalo flavor. So who better to be the center and, you know, make the line calls than Feliciano, who was with Dable up in, in Buffalo? I mean, it just made too much sense not to bring him down here. And, you know, the fact that he was willing to play center just made too much sense to me. You know, now, you know, if you want to get a Linderbaum later on or a Lindstrom or, who, you know, whoever to play center in the round two, if they're there or later, um, you can get the, a, a young center. Because remember, the other thing is, is this is all about Daniel Jones. They want to give Daniel Jones every possible opportunity to succeed this year. And the last thing I think they want to do is put a rookie center in front of him because, you know, a rookie center is going to be learning on the fly. And you want you want a guy who's a little bit more, I think, experienced with identifying stuff, adjusting line calls as necessary. I mean, because that was a problem in the past for the Giants. Yeah, I mean, and Feliciano, you can, you can feel good about being a starter. And again, it allows you, it gives you some insurance. Going back to Gates, as far as I would keep him, even if they didn't have like the, you know, the like basically have to with this cap number, because when he, if, I know it's a big if, but when he when he went down, he would still be the second best offensive line. Like 2020, Nick Gates and you know the first game and a couple drives of 2021 is a better player than Mark Lewinsky. Like he's he would be the second best player on this team, and I think it's it, it would be worth holding that cap even if he doesn't play to be able to you know extend him into the future because like you don't want to throw, especially this Giants team doesn't want to throw away a good offense offensive line. I'd be willing to take that gamble on Gates. But yeah, Feliciano and and he went back uh Feliciano was under the O-line coach Bobby Johnson at Buffalo and was even uh with the rate now he uh, Bobby Johnson worked as a tight end coach of the Raiders but like they used him in like some you know goal line packages and stuff and worked with him so there was a relationship there. So and it seems like everybody like you know I was talking with uh Anthony, Anthony Provaca who covers the Bills and he was saying like uh, Feliciano, like he was like really like a like a leader in the locker room, um, and that matters maybe at the center spot more than others because that is such a leadership position, whether you're a leader or not. Yeah, and then Feliciano, who was on the call with Giants, the Giants writers, uh, what's today? Today's Thursday as we tape this, so he was on the call Wednesday with us. And he spoke about that role and just embracing it and how he's excited to play it. So, you know, I have no problem with the move, even even though it's just for one year. It's clear that it's a stopgap. And look, you know, as you pointed out, the Giants probably are not going to turn it around and, and be, make a push for the Super Bowl. They're not going to be the Bengals of, of last year. Um, not until they get the cap cleaned up further and they, they plug in some guys. But if they can make progress and take steps towards being better, getting more wins. I'll take that. You know, I'll wait another year before this team really, you know, can make a push because I think Shane will get them in the right direction. I All right, Giant fans, we have more coming up on today's Locked on Giants podcast. But first, it's that time of year again. March Madness is here. 
And for all the latest odds, contests, and player props, Bet Online remains your best spot to get scores, podcasts, odds, everything you need to know to bet wisely. And it's not just basketball. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sporting wager sporting wagering needs, including uh, live betting, your favorite Vegas casino games, and much more. So head on over to their website, BetOnline.net. And learn more about the trends, the action, the odds, everything you need to know. Bet online where the game starts. Speaking of right directions, I like what he did with James Bradbury. And I know a lot of people are like, oh my God, they should have traded him already. What's the holdup? What's taking so long? They're not giving this guy away for a song and a dance. I mean, I can appreciate that from a GM, you know, now granted, I, one correction I do need to make because because I, I know I had said this incorrectly. With the $2 million that was guaranteed as part of Bradbury's salary, the Giants do have to carry that $2 million regardless if they trade him, but they will get a cap credit back at the end of the year. So that being said, they can still save something like $10 million or so on the cap, which is still a nice little chunk of change, and that will go towards um, – paying off the the draft class once it's made so i just like the fact that shane is is not panicking and he's he's waiting this out i, I agree with that 100 draft picks are valuable and if you can get a better one you know teams like draft day trades happen you know um and again I, i'm maybe not expecting it to play out that far um but you know what like a, a cornerbacks are extremely valuable and james bradbury is one of those top guys in the league um you know, so I like get the most you can out of him. You know, like a, a difference between a third round pick and a fourth round tick, pick, that's a big difference. You know, that's, that's essentially 30 guys that you like better than the pick you have at fourth going off the board. Um, so, so yeah, I, I like the strategy. And, and again, the Giants aren't, it's not like this stopping them from being huge spenders in free agency because they were never going to be that uh, in the first place. Yeah, a good point too. And, and, you know, you mentioned draft day trades. That's where I expect them to move because look, the cornerback market is settling down now in free agency, but we still have the draft market, so to speak. So let's see who goes where, who needs a cornerback. There will be teams that will pop up maybe who wanted a cornerback, didn't get it in free agency, didn't get who they wanted in the draft. Now all of a sudden, maybe they'll be a little bit more inclined to spend for James Bradbury. So that's what I think Joe Shane is counting on. And, you know, look, worst case scenario, if they have to carry him, you know, I think there might be other ways they can get the money, but it's going to be tight. Um, I, I don't, you know, if they have to restructure him, which I know they don't want to do. I mean, there is a way to do it, but that's like the last resort, I think, if they can't move the sky. So we'll have to see if that plays out. So anyway, Bobby, let's talk about Tyrod Taylor, because that was kind of an interesting signing. I know a lot of people, when they first heard the money, you know, it was two years, I think 17 million was initially reported. Yeah. And then it was later amended to it's actually two years, 11 million plus 6 million in incentives. Now, I did a breakdown of the contract on Giants Country. I think this is a really good contract, man. Seeing what they did with that, I, I, I like what they did because they basically covered all their bases. But let me ask you this we just had Tyrod Taylor on, on a conference call, and he said basically, I'm coming in to compete, you know, to be ready, to do, you know, help us win the goals. He didn't mention, I'm going to challenge Daniel Jones for his job or anything like that. What do you think of this signing? Do you like that they picked up Tyrod Taylor, which you would have liked to have them, liked for them to have picked up a different backup? 
if you would have asked me like which two backups I wanted going into free agency, if you took money out of the equation, it would have been Marcus Mariota and Tyrod Taylor. So I, you know, in fact, I identified him last year as a, a potential backup QB option. Obviously, um, he was at a much higher clip than Mike Glennon was. Backup QB talk kind of drives me crazy a lot of the times because it's just play. You know, there's people's opinions are all over the place. Um, this to me signals like not like he's not going to start over Daniel Jones to me. Like I, I, you know, I did a film breakdown on him. Like to me, Daniel Jones isn't. You know, he's not a he's not good at this point. But I do think there he is a level above Tyrod Taylor. Uh, but I do think Taylor's as good of a backup as as you can get. You know. Uh, I always say, and people always get mad at me, there's really no such thing as a good backup QB in the NFL because they're usually bad starters. And I know you're going to, you know, I'll get the uh, people throw Jeff Hostiler and Nick Foles at me, but those cases are far and few in between. Um, so, so, but I do like Tyrell Taylor just as far as like a talent level as that backup QB. But the, this deal is backloaded, like really, really backloaded. And there's even a void year, uh, you know, on, on the third year with I think like a, a one and a half mil cap hit, which isn't the worst thing. But like a backup QB getting a void year off rip is, you don't see that too often. To me, this this signals not much belief of Daniel Jones past this year because all the money's towards next year when it, you know, they probably would be in a better spot to draft a QB, and so they would want Taylor there. Um, so I like, to me, this kind of, don't want to read into it too much, but like, that's a lot of money to put into a backup QB who a guy you hope never plays now with Daniel Jones injury issue, he will plays, but look, the giants aren't going to be winners this year. So, you know, and I, I made the point, like if Tyrod Taylor was their starting QB this past season, how much different is their season? It looks a little prettier towards the end of the year, but it's not any better then maybe they win one more game. And you, I mean, and you look at like backup QBs are a product there of their environment. And I know everyone hates Mike Glennon, and I don't blame them. Look at Mike Glennon's career numbers and look at this past season. He had career lows in every statistical category by far. Like Mike Glennon, I think, was an upgrade to Colt McCoy. Most people at the time did. Uh, but in this Giants offense that was so fundamentally broken, I mean, he had career lows. Now, again, he's not a good QB. I'm not making that argument. But I think backup QBs are more a product of their environment. But this contract kind of signals that they view him not for 2022, but like uh, 2023 has more than maybe just a backup or more so as a bridge QB to possibly someone they would draft. Yeah, but, you know, I still say the Giants are going to give Daniel Jones every opportunity to be successful. Now, Jones in the past, you've seen glimpses of him potentially being great. And then you've seen a lot of stuff where you set, you shake your head and you say, I don't know how they're going to make it with this guy. So um, just sticking on Jones for a minute here, Bobby, what kind of progress would you want to see from Daniel Jones in the coming year? Because for me, the biggest issue I had with him last year is he was in year two of the same system. And yet the mental processing was still slow. Some of the decisions made you just want to pull your hair out. And it just seemed like, you know, he he wasn't trusting what he was seeing. So I know a quarterback's progress isn't linear. But that said, you know, what kind of progress would you want to see from Daniel Jones to make you say, okay, I think we can move forward from move forward with him um, as our quarterback? This goes hand in hand with what Brian Dable and Mike Kafka with Brian Dable and Mike Kafka bring back the aggression. I mean, his downfield attempts were went went, they went down from 2020 to 2021. I mean, they did not throw the ball downfield. They were totally a pre-snap read offense pick your side and read one guy like 
you know, I, I don't want to revisit, but I, I hate it. I've never hated an offensive system more than Jason Garrett. And that's not just reacting, being a Giants fan in the moment. Like, no, look at things, you know, and I was, I got heat in 2019 for defending Pat Shermer's offense. Um, so it's not just angry fan. Uh, bring back that aggression. And again, there's going to be some turnovers, but he, the interception wise, he's done a, a pretty good job limiting them. Now that it goes hand in hand with not being aggressive down the field as well, but finding that balance. So, um, just having like a good year. And I think Brian Dable and Mike Kafka can get that out of him, but it seems like they're not banking on it with that tire. Like they're going to give him every opportunity. I, I believe that. But I think right now from the front office point of view, they're not banking on it. I think that's what the Taylor contract might mean. But as far as Jones, bring back that aggression without it being reckless. You know, uh, Andrew Thomas being at left tackle makes a big difference in the fumbles with Daniel Jones compared to Nate Solder in 2019. Uh, but bring, bring back that aggression. Um, and, Again, there's going to be interceptions. Every QB has interceptions, but not having the disaster interceptions, which he did a good job of until that Tampa Bay game when he had that, you know, that that game was a disaster. But like not every not every interception is equal. And there's disaster interceptions, there's I got fooled interceptions, and there's um reckless interceptions. Um and so like, you know, like not having the the reckless and disaster interceptions, having the, okay, I understand you don't want to repeat this mistake, but I see how you got baited into throwing this ball. Yeah, definitely. And I I think, you know, along the lines with Daniel Jones, makes sense not to pick up the option year. I don't see the Giants doing that um, because, you know, look, once they do it, that money's guaranteed, and that's a lot of money. So if he balls out this year, you sign him to an extension. I mean, you know. Or tag him. Or you tag him, exactly. it's, 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 It's... it's seven mil more than the fifth year option is the franchise tag. So, um, and they should be able to get it down, you know, that number down if they get to that. But if not, you know, here's the, you know, the situation is you try and you trade up because, like we've been saying, the Giants probably are not going to be a playoff bound team this year. They, I, I don't see how they can unless they get really, really lucky, you know, given their cap situation, given all the holes that they still need to fill. But that said, you know, See if you can get some more draft picks. And that's where, again, maybe a, a, a trade of, of James Bradbury. And who knows? There might be another trade that we're not even thinking of. Might be a surprise trade that will put the Giants in a good position should they want to move up next year in the first round when supposedly the quarterback class is going to be a little bit better in terms of there should be some more surefire uh, top 10 guys, I think, in, in next year's class, all things being equal, that is. Yeah. Yeah, and again, I, I think at this point they're not bank- they're going to give Daniel every opportunity, but they're just not banking on it at this point, which is, I mean, it's smart. It's a new regime. You didn't draft this guy. Um, I do think that's the play for them. And again, they're not going to. I'd be blown away at this point if they picked up the option. Part of me thought maybe they would before the Taylor signing, but with the Taylor signing, I don't think there's any chance they pick it up. All right, Giant fans, we have more coming up on today's Locked on Giants podcast. But first, Bilt Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar but without the calories and sugar. Most Bilt Bars contain about 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein, and they taste great. Bilt Bar offers nine amazing flavors of nut and nut-free variety, plus a rotating limited time offering of different flavors that changes every so many weeks. Head on over to BiltBar.com to see what their current flavor lineup looks like and use our special promo code LOCKED15 to save 15% off your first order. Again, that promo code is LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, for 15% off your first order at BiltBar.com. 
All right, Bobby, so let me ask you this. Are you surprised that the Giants didn't do anything in free agency so far as we record this on a Thursday afternoon to address their defense? I think they're waiting. And part of that is the James Bradbury deal because they got you know, they don't have necessarily the money to do it yet. Um, but if you think about free agency additions, I, th- I think they should sign a linebacker, you know, like just maybe even like a, a Reggie Ragland type. Um, you know, you have Blake Martinez back. You got Crowder, who they feel I'm sure they feel all right starting, even though they're gonna they're gonna do less two linebackers, two inside linebacker sets. Edge is gonna be addressed in the draft, um, and then safety they're set. I mean, they have you know I know Peppers is gone, but they have uh, uh, McKinney, Logan Ryan, and Julian Love. You know, there's not a need there, and then corner, um, corner they're set until they change James Bradbury, and then it's like who's that out their outside starter. I think a lot of people like Ahmad Gardner, Sauce Gardner out of Cincinnati. I do as well, um, which I would, you know, I would love to end up with him in the draft at, you know, pick five or seven, depending on how, how stuff plays out. Um, really, their huge glaring need is nose tackle. They don't have a nose tackle. Austin Johnson went to the Chargers. Uh, Danny Shelton is uh, a free agent and shouldn't be back. They don't have a nose tackle, and I don't think it's, I don't think Dexter Lawrence is going to fill the nose tackle need. I think they. They do need to add a nose tackle, and I don't think they're going to go into the draft with just no nose tackles on their roster. You know, and Dexter Lawrence, another guy who first-round pick, so a decision on his option year has to be made as well, and I don't see them picking that up as well. Really? I mean, De- yeah. I didn't, and then I changed my mind when I saw these defensive ta- – I mean, I saw B.J. Hill get $10 million a year. Austin John- I So going into this week, I said definitely – I said well, I didn't say definitely, but I said don't pick up Dexter's off- option. Now I think they should because of looking at the defensive. Like I, I'm blown away at some of these defensive tackle contracts around the league right now. Yeah, I th- I think they wait. I mean, because I think this is a good class for defensive linemen. I could be wrong, but yeah, I, I I could see them getting somebody who you know can maybe come in, be that big body nose tackle. And but you're right, they definitely need that position. That is an area of weakness and. Uh, I, I just don't know if that's a role that Dexter Lawrence can, can play. I mean, I don't think he was as effective on the outside, so I would want to see maybe what he could do on the inside. But, you know, Wink Martindale might feel totally different about that. But regardless, they do need depth on that defensive line because, like you said, Austin Johnson's gone. Shelton's not going to be back. Um, you know, so they could use some more bodies up there. But I want to stay with the secondary for a second because you made the point that, you know, it's safety they should be okay. Logan Ryan, I don't see on this team beyond this year. Julian Love is in the last year of his contract. So let me ask you this. If if somehow both offensive tackles are off the board um, when the Giants draft next month and they have a shot at Kyle Hamilton at, say, seven, would you take him there or would you say, no, I don't think so? I wouldn't because there's too many edge guys I like. Um you know, and if both those tackles are gone, you would assume one of the edge players are there. I like. I would rather take a Maude Gardner over him. In fact, there's you know Kenyon Green out of Texas A&M not getting a ton of buzz. I would take him. I think not even just need, but you know positional value and the way the players that are there. There's there's a good chunk. Basically, there's seven guys on the board that I you know they have the fifth and seventh pick. There's seven players I would take over Kyle Hamilton. You know, it's I don't think you pound the table. You know, you know you know, throw a hissy fit if they do, because he is a, a great player. But with McKinney, um, you know, Logan Ryan's not a long term option. But I just I just think there's more valuable players at more valuable positions available. Uh so I would 
I would uh, that would get a mad reaction out of me if the Giants uh, drafted Kyle Hamilton, and then I would break down his film and get super excited. But but <laughs> it, it, but initial reactions would be meh. <laughs> yeah, I mean he's a heck of an athlete. I mean I don't think he can go wrong there. And you know I, I just remember how everybody was talking about the importance of getting a Swiss Army knife type of guy who can you know cover who could who could play that pseudo linebacker role that star linebacker i mean you know this is all stuff that this kid can supposedly do so uh you know and, and he can never have too many playmakers but you're right you know you mentioned that the edge rusher thing now let's let's talk about that because a lot of people are saying that if Thibodeau falls to to the giants they should snap him up which i personally would be okay with but a lot of people also you know we're not talking so much about the Quincy Rochers. We're not talking about the Ellerson Smiths and what they could potentially bring to the pass rush. Now, it looks like Lorenzo Carter is not going to be back. I don't think O'Shane Zimenez is long for this roster. So do you say to yourself, okay, you know what? We can scheme the pass rush. We just need to bat, you know, beef up the back end of the defense so that these guys hold the coverage and give these guys a front. Or do you just say to yourself, look, let's not screw around here. Let's take a Batman if one falls to us, they definitely the Wink Martindale definitely values coverage over pass rush. But if if the two tackles are off the board and Kayvon Thibodeau is there, I'm taking Kayvon Thibodeau. Like it's it's an easy decision for me. Um, I think it's the second best after Aiden Hutchinson, which is you know I think most people land in that place. I, I know Trayvon Walker's been getting a love. Uh, I don't I don't see it as a top ten pick. Um, yeah, I, I definitely would like because. I mean, you look around the NFL, like coverage is coverage generally is more important than pass rush, just generally on a week one to 18 basis. But in the playoffs, and this is what we're, we're trying to build a Super Bowl champion, pass rush has become much more important because, I mean, sacks and drives. Look at the stats on drives that have sacks versus drives that don't. It's drastic. Sacks are drive enders where coverage will stop you from getting beat deep and giving up huge plays and, you know, keep making teams take have long sustained drives but sacks end the drive um and having a pass rusher that you can trust to rush for and also you know we talk about coverage when you got seven guys covering compared to five it's a lot more valuable and i know wink is gonna blitz a lot um but also like people forget patrick graham tried to blitz and play man week one versus denver they were blitzing and they couldn't even get there. You know, they were sending five or six guys and couldn't get to the quarterback. So when you're playing man coverage, doesn't matter if you have Bradbury and Adora Jackson, you're not able to you're not able to cover that long when you can't get there with blitzes. So if there's a true blue pass rusher there, I take Kayvon Thibodeau. Amar Gardner, Sauce Gardner, it would like it would be between those two guys, but actually this is a scenario, and I know we're getting so far ahead with the draft right now. The scenario I thought about is well, maybe you take Sauce Gardner at five because you like other edge rushers and you maybe don't like the corners as well. And then you're like, all right, we're taking best player available as far as edge at seven. Maybe Thibodeau falls there and Carolina goes offensive line or QB or whatever. Um, and I think that would be a, a better bet. But they only have – I mean, they really just got to bet on what the Panthers do at six. If they're staying at both those picks, like they should be working overtime to try and get some type of intel on what the Panthers are thinking at six because that really can change your approach. I was going to say, would you trade out of number five if you're the Giants and you know that the Panthers might potentially need a quarterback? I would do. I would. I would. I would entertain most trade down options, especially since they have both of those picks. So I, I would be willing to trade out. Obviously, it has to be the right price, and you got to find a dancing partner. You know, it's not as easy as the mock draft simulators make it seem. Uh, 
But yeah, I, I'd be I'd be very. There's a lot of holes on this team. I would be I would be very open to a trade down. You know, and then what are you getting? What you get? Kenyon Green, Zion Johnson as an interior offensive line. You get David Ajabo as an edge, depending on where you fall back. Uh, yeah, I, I would I would seriously consider uh, a trade down if I'm the Giants, especially since they have those both those picks. And if they throw in, you know, if the team they trade with throws in an extra first round pick for next year, sign me up. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 and, I, and the 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 2021 draft, like the the Tony trade, I still do that ten times out of ten. Um, you know, it's, it would be really enticing to go back and take Rashawn Slater, um, but you have like you're in a spot to pick a tackle. Like they they traded the eleventh pick for what's now the seventh. They 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 went up from eleven to seven from this year, if you think about it, and then uh you know then got Tony, and then they got a third round pick from this year, and then they had another fifth round pick that they used to trade it for Aaron Robinson. So I like I would do that trade ten times out of ten all over again. As much as Slater or Parsons is enticing, choose whichever guy you want. Yeah, yeah. I mean, really, you can't go wrong. I mean, they've got five picks in the top 100, and I think three of those picks are in the top 50. I mean, they're going to come away with some good players. And I I trust Shane and Brandon Brown in the front office that that they put together to get those guys. I don't think they're going to reach on anybody and say, oh, you know, this is a great athlete. I mean, if somebody gets up at the podium and says, oh, we, this is a great athlete, I think I might scream because I don't want great athletes. I want great football players, yeah. you know? And I don't think the two are, are, you know, the same thing necessarily. So, all right, let me ask you one final question here. Trayvon Giants- Walker fits that profile. Great athlete. I don't know if he's a great player. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, you know, we never know. Somebody will fall in love with him. But, all right, final question for you. The Giants don't have a lot of cap money, so they're probably done for the time being, I would think, in free agency, at least for any quote-unquote major moves. That being said, what is the one thing that they have not done yet that you're sitting there and you're saying, God, they got to get this done, besides obviously trade or do resolve the James Bradbury situation? Um. It's not like I think it's getting a nose tackle. Like I feel like that's the only must they have left of free agency. Tight end room. I mean, right now, essentially they only have Ricky Seals Jones. Uh and it'd be weird to go into a draft banking on getting a a, oh, wow. a tight end, you know, because it's not like it's not it's not like they're bank they're drafting Kyle Pitts. It's like we know what we're doing, so we don't need to invest in this. So there needs there's gotta be some other investment at tight end. I'm sure they'll like to add an inside linebacker as well. Because again, there's just so many holes, and you can't fill them all in the draft, and you can't expect players in the draft to come in and fill those holes right away. Um, so I say that the three spots would be nose tackle, inside linebacker, and a tight end. And again, not saying you got to go out and get great players, but players who you can feel good playing forty to fifty percent of the snaps in the NFL and not be a total liability. Great stuff as always. Appreciate you coming on. Appreciate the information, the insight. Always love talking ball with you. And um, folks, follow him on Twitter, Bobby Skinner underscore. He, he's breaking down film. Uh, follow him and Justin Pennock on Talking Giants. They have a great podcast. Um, the two of them are awesome. And, I, and, I'm, and I'm very appreciative that both of you take time to come on with me i, I really appreciate yeah, it I, I feel rude right now but i'm just still, i'm trying to fire off something it's okay this. This is crazy. It's, it's okay thank you as always patty it's always a pleasure we got to get you back on uh talking yeah. giants soon absolutely anytime you want all right giant fans that's going to do it for us here on the locked on giants podcast thank you so much for tuning in 
and making us your first listen of the day, your first watch of the day. Thank you for tuning in. For Bobby Skinner, this is Patricia Trena. Everybody have a great weekend and we will talk to you next week.